Gary and Joni Doris have been team members, members of Oak Grove, friends of ours, Quinlan as well, mom and dad. Are the mom and dad here? Yeah, mom and dad are here. Kevin and Sherry, love you. Welcome, Kevin and Sherry. Welcome, Ke that's a cool, like, you, please welcome Kevin and Sherry. I got to spell it out. Sometimes I got to spell it out. You know, it's all right. It's all right. They they get it every now and then. But, uh, but Kevin and Sherry, thank you for raising two girls that love God, putting up with two son-in-laws. No, God blessed every family. And, and this family's blessed. Been part of Oak Grove 10 years or more. Part of our staff 10 years, maybe Oak Grove more. But they came on our staff at um, uh, voluntarily. First, first, they were deacons. Then they came on the staff voluntarily uh, to work as youth or, or youth assistant youth, junior high, junior high. So they worked with junior high for three and a half years, volunteered their time to help uh, the youth pastor. And then one day we went to youth camp because that's what we do. How many know that Old Grove believes in the next generation? It's it's part of our DNA. How many believe Old Grove believes in the next generation? Amen. Amen. This this side seems louder than this side, but I understand because I lost a little hearing in DR in this year, so it's possibly why this one, maybe. But um, but anyway, this couple has been with us on missions trips, camps. One camp, kids camp they went to, they came back, Gary said, Pastor, we were between youth uh, children's pastors, and he said, you know, I feel like the Lord's calling us to children, work with the children. And I said, well, I, I received that. I received that. I mean, it's not easy finding a children's pastor. I really need some help, and I'm trying to help you prime the pump for Gary's about to preach, and he's going to need some help. It's not easy finding children's pastors. I mean, you can find some people who might be talented, but how many know finding a God-anointed person to take care and shepherd your children? That's a different story. You can find a gifted person. But and not saying they're not gifted, but we got more than just children's pastors. We got shepherds over our children, and for ten years, that's a long tenure. It's a long tenure, and they work with us. Gary, Joni, we love you. They uh, for the last four or five years been dealing with a call into missions. I know in 2020 they surrendered completely in March of 2020, just before the world collapsed. Anybody remember that? The whole world went. Uh, we're on our way back up. How many know we're on our way back up? A few op optimistic people. <laughs> I don't know what the rest of you think, but how many know we're on our way up? There we go. So 2020, they surrendered. Brian Webb was preaching at the Kid Men. They surrendered to the call of God for missions. Uh, again, probably. Again. And uh, and so they prayed, and then the Lord opened up the door. They prepared for the last two years to go to Fiji. And then at the end of this past month and a half, they've been dealing with Samoa. Their whole budget has been raised. Uh, they've been so blessed to be going through that journey. It was a very tough journey, but they went through it. And by faith, they came out on the other side. And now next week, they're packed up and getting ready to go into, into March 1st of April. Is that right? The 28th of March, they're heading to Samoa to give the gospel to youth and children and to the nation of Samoa. Would you give God praise? Come on, Gary. Come on, Joni. Love you so much. I mean, we could spend all day, but Gary, it's not like they don't know you, and this is not, it's not like your second goodbye, but uh, as many goodbyes as we need, we'll take them, right? We love you, bud.
yeah, the rumors are true. We're out of here. So I think the last time I was up here, I told you I was like a bad boomerang. You throw me, and I keep hitting you in the back of the head. I'm not coming back this time. We're actually going to get on the plane. So, But, yeah, I, <laughs> yeah, I only get one baton. So today, my message is going to be really simple. And, well, if I can get my Bible open. There we go. The message is going to be simple, right? My, my family wants to challenge you as a church before we get off into Samoa and learn a different language other than the one we've been working on for the last two years. It's a different language. and Yeah, so there's lots of hurdles, but we don't care. We're going anyway. So, But I'm going to be in Matthew 5, chapter 13 through 16. And honestly, this is probably something that you've all heard before. We're going to talk about salt and light, but I'm going to give you my take on what I've read and what God has revealed to me through this scripture. And so um, let's just get into it and we'll read it here. It says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on the stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Now, this Jesus says this immediately after the Beatitudes, the Sermon on the Mount. He is telling people how to live. This was not directed at people who do not know Jesus. This is directed at people who that already know who he is. He's saying this to the disciples. So therefore, he is saying this to everyone in this room who knows who Jesus Christ is. He's saying that you are to be salt and you are to be light to the world. He is explaining the basics of discipleship. How are you to disciple the world? And he's using this visual. And look, I even got visual aids today for you guys because I'm a kid's pastor and you can't do anything without having something for the kids to look at. So there you go. But anyway, he's talking about how do you disciple? How are you supposed to live as you look forward toward what God has for you? Because we as people, and I'm guilty of this, you don't have to raise your hands, I'll raise my hand and own it. We have a default setting, and that default setting is typically, it leans toward comfort, it leans towards conformity. But Jesus is explaining here that you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to stand out. You're supposed to be different. You're not supposed to conform. Now, there's a beautiful thing that salt and light have in common. Both of these things have the ability to change their environment. Salt changes the way food tastes. Light changes the way you see colors. Right? I just rewired some of the office lights back to LEDs, and it looks much different in there than it used to. And it's all because there's a little bit more light. Right? It changes the environment around us. And so we're just going to get into this. Let's talk about salt first. He, he, gives you, he gives us two illustrations here. The first one is salt. Salt has a lot of purposes. 
And it had a lot of purposes in the, in the ancient world where they're, when they're talking about it here. It's used as a preservative, right? They used to cover meat in it, and it would keep the meat from spoiling. It adds flavor to your food. It can also be used to kill weeds. Anybody ever use salt water on your lawn? You won't have to mow it. It'll die. Okay, there's lots of uses for salt. So, as salt, we are here to preserve humanity. We are here to keep humanity from falling into this immoral chaos. And I don't know if you've watched the news lately, but I don't know how good of a job we're doing. Okay? We're meant to preserve the world from falling into this immoral chaos as salt. And just like salt changes the flavor of your food, we are meant to change society. We're meant to change the culture of the world. That's what salt does. That's what you are. But let's look at this salt shaker. There's a few things you need to know know about this salt shaker. The first one is, this salt shaker is just a vessel. Just like you are just a vessel. Okay? It's just a place to hold the salt. Just like you, you are a place to hold the Holy Spirit. You're a vessel for the Holy Spirit. Just like this salt shaker is a vessel for this salt. Okay? So let's look at Galatians 2.20. It says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. You know, I was in Young Adults last week and we talked about what the cost of discipleship was. Like, it's, it's, salvation is absolutely free. Discipleship is not. You know, for you to have salvation, somebody died for that. And so the Bible teaches us that we're supposed to die to ourselves. And Christ, people are supposed to see Christ through us. Christ is supposed to be living in you. Paul says, it's not me. I don't, all these years we've been doing kids ministry has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with Joni. It has everything to do with God. So the question is, do people know that Christ is living in you? Is your salt shaker full? Right? How many of you have ever went to a restaurant and you, you went to use the salt shaker and there was nothing in it? Because, you know, restaurants are tricky. They put those ones you can't see the salt in it, right? And you shake it and nothing happens. Or some kid has licked the top and all the salt's caked in the... No, I'm kidding. My kid would never do that. Okay? She's not in here. I can say that. But um, but anyway, if it's, not full, if it's not full of salt, does this salt shaker serve a purpose? No. It's just, it's just sitting there. It does nothing. Just as we as Christians, if we just sit there, you have all of this power, you have all of this knowledge, and if we just sit there, we're not serving our purpose. This salt shaker doesn't serve a purpose if somebody doesn't fill it up. You come to church every Sunday, and you sit here every Sunday, and, and I said this in Young Adults last Sunday, when you come to church, it's not just pleasantries. Yes, we want to interact with each other, 
This is training. You come here to learn. Some of you have forgotten more information than I have learned in my entire lifetime. You come here to be trained so that you can be salt to the world, so that you somebody is filling up your salt shaker. Pastor fills up your salt shaker every Sunday for you to go out and sprinkle it. If you you have to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to let the Spirit lead you where you're going to go. You are going to get more opportunities. You are going to have more things come on you than you ever imagine as long as you listen to the, the, the call of the Holy Spirit. I cannot tell you how much we ignore the Holy Spirit because we're embarrassed or scared or whatever it is. But remember, discipleship always costs you something. It's not free. Sometimes that means you got to get out of your comfort zone. Sometimes that means that you, you can't conform to society. You know, somebody told me one time that evil is still evil even though everybody is doing it. Amen? And good is still good even when no one is doing it. And so we shouldn't live in a society where we just do evil because everyone else is doing it. I still want to be the person that's following the Holy Spirit and doing good because even if nobody else is doing it, I'm going to. That takes bravery. It takes courage. It takes power that you don't even have in you. And so even if the salt shaker is full, here's the hard part. That salt doesn't come out of there on its own. Every one, every once in a while, you got to tip it over and shake it. Real, I won't, I'm gonna put salt on your carpet, Pastor. I know you don't like that. Yeah. Every once in a while, you got to tip this thing upside down and shake it real hard, right? And some of you guys really like salt. You shake them real hard, right? But guess what? I want you to raise your hand if um, you ever felt like God tipped you over and shook you up a little bit, right? That salt doesn't come out of there by yourself. Some, look, you're going to be tested. I can tell you when Joni and I decided to go into missions, every day was a test. There was always something. We itinerated for two years, and how many cars did we go through? Three. We went through three cars. And I'm not talking like, oh, we just decided to get a new one. I'm talking about it's not working. Like the engine is blown. We went through three cars. Um, we went through health issues. We we've done we've gone there is nothing you could throw at us now that I wouldn't say, well, I kind of expected that. Because it was that was part of the journey, right? And so every once in a while, God's gonna tip you over and shake you up because the salt's not coming out. Right? And for whatever reason it is, maybe you're not shaking it out, and so God's gonna do it for you. I can tell you it's a lot easier for you when you shake it out versus if God has to shake it out. Because if God shakes it out, he likes salt a lot. And it, it usually gets shaken pretty hard if God's going to shake it out. So as people, we have this tendency to hoard knowledge. Okay, So what happens is, we have a lot, you guys, I see many faces in here every Sunday, okay? 
We come to church every Sunday. Every time the doors are open, my family's like this. Every time the doors are open, we're in here. Okay, we're in a, I guarantee you my family's in a church every Sunday and Wednesdays when we're, we're, not, we're not traveling. Okay, we're there. But we come in and we gather all this information. So what happens is we have this tendency to gather the knowledge, but to never put action to it. Nothing ever happens with it. You go home and you go right back to what you were doing, and that knowledge doesn't go anywhere. I've been at this church in, for ten, over 10 years, and I know that pastor has poured a ton of knowledge into me. And you know what? I have a choice. I could hold on to that and not do anything with it. I have skills that probably some of you don't even know I can do. Right? Because I've never never done that. But guess what? That's not what we're called to do. If you have all of this knowledge and you're hoarding it, you're not serving your purpose. Your salt shaker is empty. Or it's full and you're not shaking, you're not giving it to people like you're supposed to. So let's read James 2, 17 through 18 here. In the same way, faith by itself, if it's not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I'll show you my faith by my deeds. So the question is, how many of you have faith without deeds? I know that's a hard question, but I told you my family wanted to challenge you before we left. Right? Who was the last person you shared the gospel with? Think in your head of one person you've led to Christ. Because that's what we're called to do. We're all called to share the gospel. That was Jesus' last command to us before he left. He said, go and make disciples. Not converts, make disciples. Right? We talked about this already. Disciples is somebody that not only believes in Jesus, but they help you with the job. And so we need more people helping with the job. Because I can tell you there are lots of lost people. And I know that we're going to another country to share the gospel, but guess what? There are people right here in Springfield that need the gospel. And I see a room full of people that have more knowledge about how to get there than a lot of other people I know. There's more combined knowledge in this room that could win this city than is probably needed. We just got to put it to action. We have to have something that goes along with our faith. Because we're, we're living in a time where sitting and not doing anything is not working anymore. All right. Oh, can you advance me there? This clicker stopped working. So now I wanna, we're going to talk about light now. I got a light bulb here. So the first thing you need to understand is light needs power to operate. It won't work if it's not connected to any. Oh, that one works when it's not connected to anything. But it has to be connected to some power source. The light doesn't work unless there's a power source. Okay? This is easy. 
Acts 1.8 says, you guys probably know Acts 1.8, right? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. Okay? So if you know who God is, and you know who the Holy Spirit is, you are his witness. It, it's not a question. It doesn't say, will you please come and be my witness? It's telling you that you will be his witness. If you're connected to the power source, you're supposed to be a witness. So it goes back to the question, what have you done with your faith lately? The power source is God, right? And this is like Children's Church 101. How do you get connected to God? You pray, you read your Bible, right? You you gather with other Christians and learn from them. You come to church. But then guess what? You cannot sit and do nothing with that. The light's meant to shine. You're not supposed to hide it. Now, the next thing you need to understand is there is no light in this world apart from Jesus Christ. None. There is no light in the world apart from Jesus Christ. Jesus came and died so that you would be the light. His light is supposed to shine through your life. People are supposed to know who you are. People are supposed to know that you're a follower of Jesus. Whether they like it or not, people are supposed to know that because your light is supposed to shine. His light shines through every one of his disciples. Now remember what I said. A disciple is different than a convert. Converts, they they really don't know. And the, the reason I spoke with the young adults about the cost of discipleship because I think we all think that once we once we find God and we start living for him, that everything's going to be okay. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible says it's going to cost you something. It actually talks about how um, your family may even grow to resent you because you follow Jesus. Right? And then at that point, you've you got to make a choice. Right? Are you going to continue to follow Jesus or are you going to conform? And I can guarantee you society is going to say you shouldn't follow Jesus because Christians are intolerant and whatever. I think part of our problem is Christians have become almost over-tolerant. Instead of calling out sin, we're just like, I don't want to offend anybody, so I'll just keep it to myself because nobody wants to hear that. But the Bible says that they need to hear that. When you are living a godly life and serving your godly purpose, you are visible to everyone. You never turn on a light in a dark room and people say, I can't see that. Ever. People don't say, I'm scared of the light. They say what? I'm scared of the dark. And if you're shining light everywhere you go, there's no reason to be afraid because guess what? There is no dark. Because dark dispels the light. Or light dispels the dark. I said that backwards. You're supposed to correct me. (laughs) 
That doesn't help, right? Light dispels the dark. So when you're in a room, there is no dark. Darkness cannot hang around you when you have Jesus, when you have the Holy Spirit. There is no dark. There is nothing that can come against you that God doesn't know it's coming. I've learned that as we've itinerated. Nothing surprised God. And every time something happened, guess what? There was a solution on the other side. I just wasn't there yet. So no what no matter what comes against you, there's a solution on the other side. You just got to keep digging. You just got to keep shining. Y'all know the song This is a lot of mine. I thought about doing a dance and singing it and doing the motions with y'all, but Johnny's like, "No, we're going to pass on that." Right? <laughs> so the next thing is light not only cuts through the darkness, but it also brings color to the world. You realize that color is nothing but light, different frequencies of light that you see with your eyes. So light brings color to the world. And as Christians, our light needs to reveal that hope that you have in Jesus Christ. All right, let's go to my scripture there. John 1, 4 through 5. Can you pull that up? There it is. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not nor never will overcome it. Ever, ever, ever. So, Jesus is the light. If you know who Jesus is, the light shines through you to all mankind. When we turn these light, these bright, bright spotlights that I just looked into, when we turn those on, we don't get to control who the light hits. It hits everybody. So is your light shining? Who's it shining on? Are you making sure that your light is shining? In this day, there are a lot of people that are walking in the dark wishing that someone would tell them where the light switch is. I just need to know how to turn the lights on. How do I get through this? And I can tell you, we as Christians, we know the answer. God gave, has revealed the answer to us. But we have to tell others. We can't. We can no longer wait and hope they get lucky and find it on their own. And I tell people this all the time. I don't want, when, when Jesus decides to come back sooner rather than later, I hope, when he comes back, I don't want there to be one person in hell that says, I wish somebody would have told me. If one person would have told me, I'd have known better. And that's why we've chose to do what we're doing. I don't want anybody to say, I wish I'd have known. Nobody explained that to me. Because guess what? You know where the light switches are, folks. You know exactly where the light switches are. You can, get, you can walk into that dark room and illuminate exactly where everything's at. And... They won't have to worry about it. 
We have to be that light. We have to disciple people and bring them alongside of us. You know, we see people come to church all the time and they get converted and they leave and they have no idea what to do next. There has to be follow-up. This Christianity thing is not easy. It was never meant to be easy. There's a sacrifice. There's a cost to it. And so as people come in and we, we work with them, we say, hey, we lead them to Jesus, they've got to know what the next step is because if they don't, guess what their default setting is? They go right back to what they know. We all do it. How many of you guys drive the exact same way to work every single morning? Right? You all have a comfort zone. Right? If they're doing road construction on the road that you take to work, it throws your whole day off. Right? Or you, you go to get your morning coffee, and Starbucks says, I'm out of coffee. Sorry. Would you like a tea? Yeah, some of you guys just got angry at me saying that. Right? We all have our comforts, but as Christians, we're called to not live in comfort. It has nothing to do with comfort. Now, God is going to supply you with what you need. God wants you to be blessed so that you can be a blessing to others, not so you can grab the blessings and hang on to them and never share them with anybody else. If it was up to Joni and I, we would give all of our money away, and we are borderline at that point, right? But the truth is, a lot of us, we get blessed, and then we hang on to it, and we never bless other people. So a lot of people hide their, their light. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. But there's a lot of people, as individuals, we hide our light. And you insert your reason here, right? Some of us hide it because we're scared of what people are going to think about us. Some of us hide it because if you're like me, you're like, I don't know about enough all about all this stuff to answer any questions. I'm just going to try to keep it to myself, right? Some of us are worried about being embarrassed. You know, the, we, I talked about this with the young adults. The, the strongest human emotion most people think is anger, and it's not. The strongest human emotion is shame. Did you know that people will starve themselves to avoid being shamed? People will go to great lengths to avoid feeling shame. And so when we're, when we're hiding, some people will hide their light out of shame. And those people are, it's hard to get out because, you know, all my friends don't live that way. And, you know, my family's not like that. And they do this, that, and the other. And it's different from what I do. And so guess what? I'm just going to, I'll just keep it hidden. You can insert your own excuse. Examine your heart right now. Is your light shining or is, are you hiding it? And what are you hiding it for? What's the reason? We all hide it a little bit. I, I talk about this all the time. You know, we'll be in church and I'll hear the Holy Spirit say, go up there and pray for that person. I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, you must have got the wrong person. I don't know who that is. That's a stranger. Sorry. I was taught stranger danger. I'm not going to go up there. God sends somebody else, right? God doesn't want to send somebody else. He wants to send me or he'd ask somebody else in the first place. Amen. And so we hide, we hide our, our light for many different reasons. Pick yours. So as disciples, as disciples, and I, and I truly believe that every follower of Christ wants to be a disciple. Now, 
not everybody who follows Christ is a disciple. Because remember, the definition of a disciple is somebody who is assisting in spreading the gospel. It's not just being converted. I believe we all truly want to be a disciple. Because we understand that God has given us a responsibility. God gave us the responsibility to spread the, the good news to everyone. Your family, your friends, your strangers, the people you meet in the store, the lady in the McDonald's drive through window that doesn't like her job very much, right? I don't think I've ever had anybody smile at me through a drive through window until we start a conversation with them. And then all of a sudden their attitude changes. The waitress at the restaurant who spills the water in your lap, right? We do this in many different ways. We do it with our words, we do it with our behaviors, and you do it with your lives. You do, and you do it with everything you have as if you were working for the Lord. Everything we do as Christians is meant to bring glory to God. Everything. You driving your car to work should bring glory to God. That means when that guy cuts you off, pray for him, bless him. May he not do that to anybody else, right? And that's hard because, I, look, look, I have reactions to things too, and my reactions are not always um, what I would call appropriate behavior, okay? But guess what? Everything you do should glorify God. Everything. And so, by living a salt and life, we can reflect and preserve God's Word and help others to come alongside and know who He is. We are supposed to reflect God and preserve those people who are coming in here and they're saying, I, I, want, to, I want to be a follower of Jesus. It's our job at that point as salt to wrap them in salt and say, this is how you do that. This is where we're going to go. I'm going to meet with you. We're going to talk. If you need something, call me. You know what? One of the hardest things of discipleship I'm learning is that I have to be available. Used to, when people would call me, I just hang up the phone. You can't do that if you're going to disciple somebody. When they call at 2 a.m., I guarantee you if any of you guys called pastor at 2 a.m., he would jump in the car and drive to wherever you were at if he, need, you need, he needed to. It's absolutely true. I honestly believe that. Pastor loves people, and if you're his people, he would do whatever he, he can for you. And that's the hardest part of discipleship is just being available. When you got a, a family member who does something that's kind of a knucklehead move, right, and you got to go talk to them, or you got a friend who calls you at 2 a.m. because he, he made a mess and now he doesn't know how to clean it up. A big part of discipleship is just being available. Sometimes, And that's the cost. Sometimes it's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some sleep. It's going to cost you some worry. It's going to cost you some extra 10 minutes of prayer time. Right? A lot of time, that's the cost, is just being able to be available to people. So here's what happens. We as Christians tend to withdraw 
from the world because the world is not like us, and we don't want to be like the world, and that's a good thing. You've been called to be something different. You're not of this world, right? I, this, I'm looking toward the next one, not this one. But we're still called to be part of the world. You're called to be a part of the world in a different way. You're not called to conformity, right? You're called to be the salt and the light. So you're called to be world changers. But what happens is we get worried and I'm scared and I don't want to offend anybody. So then all of a sudden we just withdraw and this is the only place where we do church. So what happens is there's all these people out there that need to hear about Jesus and they're not going to because we're comfortable in our place. Because if you think, think about like the word tribe, this is our tribe. It's a group of people, similar interests. We're going to, we have the same goals. We have, we're going the same direction, right? Out there, that's, that's not our tribe. They can be though. Because God adopted me, he adopted you, he can adopt them. But guess what? Some of them don't know, so we have to share. God has called us to impact the world, even if it's for one person. I want you to think about this. You may be called to this earth to rescue one person. One. And if you rescue that one person, everything you've done on this earth would be worth it. But my prayer for everybody in this room is that when you get to heaven, you're so bombarded with people who are thanking you that we spend the first 10,000 years and we're just talking to people. Thank you so much for telling me. Thank you so much. Thank you. You know, that time you spoke, that time we met in the grocery store and you told me about Jesus, that was awesome. Thank you. That time you... We t- you ordered chicken at Popeye's. Pastor, I'm telling you, the whole staff at Popeye's going to be saved before we all go. Papa, or Pastor will be talking to the cook in the back. Like, hey, have you heard about Jesus? But again, it takes initiative. You've got to shake the salt shaker. You've got to turn the lights on. So here's our ask. My family is asking you, We're asking you to please commit yourselves to be salt and light to the world. Now, it's easy to say yes. That's the easy part. But I want you to think about what the cost is going to be for you to be salt and light to the world. Okay? Chrissy, can you come up? So I got a couple questions for you. Are you sharing your knowledge that's being imparted on you? When you read your Bible, when you come to church, when you do all of these things, who are you sharing your knowledge with? Or is that staying with you? Are you serving your purpose or have you lost your saltiness? And I know some of you are saltier than others. Okay? But have you lost your saltiness? Because our scripture says if you've lost your saltiness, that means if you're not serving your purpose, you're not doing any good. It all, if salt loses its saltiness, it's just discarded. 
It's no, it's no better than sand that you're going to walk on. Scripture tells us, it asks, how can salt be made salty again? I can tell you, God created the salt. So if you've lost your saltiness, God can put it right back. God can make you salty again. God can make your light shine. So as our family gets ready to leave, we leave you with a challenge. Serve God's purpose for your life. Share the knowledge that you've been given with other people. You do this through love and relationships. You love people. You build relationships. Be the salt and the light that God asked you to be. That's our challenge to you. So I'm going to do an altar if I can get through it. Some of you, maybe you've examined your, your life and you're like, you know what, I don't know that I would call myself a Christian, but I might not be a disciple. I might not be sharing my knowledge with other people. My light might not be shining. My salt might have lost its saltiness. If that's you, come to the altar. God can give that back to you. Maybe you don't even know who Jesus is. Come up here. I guarantee you I can point out four or five people that will make an introduction. Some of you are hiding your light. You're, you're hiding it for whatever reason. Pick your reason. I don't. It doesn't even matter. Maybe you're scared. Maybe you've got something going on in your personal life and you're like, I just want to be low-key. That's not what we're called to do. You're called to be bold. There's no darkness that can overcome you. None. So if there's some reason why you're hiding your light or you're, you're losing your saltiness, come down here and give it to God. Maybe some of you are saying, you know what, I don't have a whole lot of opportunity. Come down here, pray for opportunity, because I guarantee you when you leave here, you'll get one. If you're willing, God will give it to you. All Joni and I did was say yes. And our life, I mean, it turned into a whirlwind. If you want opportunities, come down here and pray for them. So I'm just, I'm just going to stop talking for a little while because I could go all day. But I'm going to stop talking and we're just going to have a time of prayer. Come down here. If you need something, maybe you're, you're like, I don't have the physical ability to do that. Come down here and pray for healing. God will give it to you. I truly believe that. He wants you to be salt and light. And so our family, as a family, we want to challenge you. Come down here and make it right with God so that you can be salt and light, that you can serve the purpose that God has called you to do.